Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dental Amigos podcast. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be talking, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul. And here we are in season five, talking about issues and things to think about when assembling a group dental practice. And today, we're going to talk about the very popular topic that comes up in all sort of dental entrepreneur discussions. De novo versus acquisition, right? right? So uh, looking to grow the group, should I be doing startups in in new locations, uh, de novos, or acquire uh, practices, existing practices to to grow that practice portfolio? And typically what we see in this world is most people kind of have a model and it's one or the other. Now, there are some folks that will do a few de novos and do some acquisitions and kind of mix it up. But that's not really. It's the like norm. these football. Every football coach is either an offense or defensive coach, and then that you see them as their team. You know, is either focused. You know, Andy Reid on offense or some of these other coaches. Like, or he was on defense. I think is a good example. I'm someone who's only ever done acquisitions. I've done kind of technically four of them to some degree. Mm-hmm. And even though I uh, love listening and they're sponsoring my group and talk to Stephen Trutter all the time about ideal practices, if you said, "Hey, Paul, you, do you want to do another location startup or acquisition?" I would say I'll stick with my acquisition world. I know that world. Right. And then I also have a, a good friend in Florida who's kind of theirs too, and he's de novoing his away, uh, his self away to a group because I don't think they look at acquisitions. So I think you're right. It kind of has you kind of a model that you stick to. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's you know that makes sense. So it's just yeah. like anything, you know, how you have your 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 uh, area of, of expertise and what you're comfortable at and what you know and and you I mean what I'll share is just that. value for the listeners. In a kind of, you know, people in life like to think that their job is tougher than someone else's, right? It could be a husband and wife. It could be brothers who manage to do something different. It could be people who set up for parties. You kind of, for some reason, think, you know, whatever you do is the tougher of the things. And, oh, look, they have it uh, easy, easier over there. And I will say with the acquisitions for awareness, when you buy an existing team, that does come with a lot of emotional challenges. Yeah. Whereas if you start up a practice yeah. and you can interview everybody for it, that comes with challenges, but not, hey, we used to do it this way 10 years ago. So for someone who has acquired, I mean, I have done this mm-hmm. in a small way. Mm-hmm. And when you look at those faces after the dentist has left and they're still there and they used to do it 12 years ago the different way, there's a lot of emotional energy surrounding that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's, that's a challenge. And if you're talking about, but again, this gets back to the, to the model. Right. If if the model is to have a brand that uh, is with uniformity in the appearance of the of the practice and sort of the 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 marketing collateral and everything is made to look like it is one big group, you know, yeah. and, and they're very similar. It's hard to to change right. the practices that you're acquiring. A lot of uh, a lot of folks though would rather have the more under the radar thing where. 
they don't even want the patients necessarily to know that the right. practice has been has been acquired by by a group. The stealth, the stealth, the stealth, exactly. <laughs> and and there's there's plenty of them out there. Um, but if you are looking to to make it uniform, as you said, I think it's challenging because uh, as you go into each of these acquisitions, the staff, the appearance of the office. The way that things are done, or it, it takes time. I mean, to it, change. It, you know, it's uh, trading out problems with people, right? When you acquire a practice, patients aren't the problem. You bought patients, but then you have the people running the patients you have to deal with. If you right. start up a practice, <laughs> now I know I, between deal practices, our marketing sponsors, you can definitely get good marketing going before totally. you open a practice, and you don't have three thousand patients, right? So you can buy a practice with three thousand patients and an existing people team, uh -huh. or you can you know, start up a practice with a few patients, but build your own people team. And it's an, it's an issue. I also think, Rob, I mean, I see this could do this across the country. I think there's also geographic influence on this too, you know, mm -hmm. the startup versus acquisition, mm -hmm. where the sure. opportunities for each can be drastically different depending on what region you're in. Right, uh, look, if you're in a place that's completely underserved, well, why would you pay for the goodwill right. of a practice if you have the ability to just go and, and do a startup and, and capture the same number of patients perhaps without without paying for that? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's a good point. I think, you know, and that also, depending on what market you're in, it is it is tricky because in some places it's very competitive to buy practices. Yeah. As you know, we're still very much in the seller's market. I think. I mean, I, what, what's your? I mean, I think for there? for any practice that has uh, solid profit and solid bones to it, it's good. One hundred percent a seller's market. It is because right. uh, you just have to kind of look around. Whether it's through the social media world that I'm in, whether it's through the in-person C world, there's more people looking to buy practices than sell them in areas like this, right? right, if I, right. I'm doing a big event next week, and if I wanted to mess with the group, I wouldn't do this because I don't think this is particularly kind. But if I said, hey, everybody, at the break, I just have a listing in Center City, Philadelphia. It's $1.2 million with five operatories. Who's interested? Text this number, my phone would literally blow up. Yeah, right. I mean, it, yeah. it would. Yeah, and I, you know, I would. I wouldn't do that just to be deceitful. But if I yeah, used this social, really social experiment, I'd say, "Ha, <laughs> just kidding." But yeah. Uh, so I agree with you there. Yeah, on that but, part. But that's it. You know. So that's another thing is you know in, in an area where there's a lot of competition and it's challenging enough to find a good practice. Now, if you're going to sort of make it even more challenging by limiting that pool by saying we only want to find certain practices right. and where, where the culture is a really good match for ours or the vision is very similar, um, you get to the point where you may not have that luxury. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, totally different story, right. you know, when it, when it was very much a buyer's market. Uh, but that's changed. So now if you're looking at a wanting to assemble a, a group that um, – you know, that it has that uniform look and feel, uh, it gets challenging. I think for the, you know, for the start, I mean, you can actually, I'd like to learn from you. You know, for, I know for starting up a dental practice or acquiring your first dental practice, banks are going to be incredibly favorable to either one, right? I mean, they're going to give Number you Number one, money. sure. Yeah. Piece of cake. Um, but with startups, I feel like you need access to a lot of capital 
because when you acquire, you know, I, when you acquire another practice, there's the cash flow of the practice, and often there is a dentist that comes with the practice mm -hmm. for a period of time. Right. If you're going to say, "Hey, join me for this vision of starting up the Guac Group," it's a good name for a group, and we're going to start up these practices. Um, <laughs> would patients oh, go to yeah, that? Yeah, I think they would actually. You I know, think, like you know, there'd be a people big, need more big fun. avocado on yeah, the side. Yeah, maybe we just serve some guac on the side. Who? Um, I thought I'd get guac here. Well, you do. It's it's like Chipotle of dentistry, but I. Uh, <laughs> You need money to pay these associates to work full time before you have full time yeah, that's patients. That's a good point. And then also, dentists, I mean, I'm going to tell you, you hang around with attorneys. I hang around with dentists. No, dentists, I actually hang around with more dentists yeah, than attorneys. In your, uh, in your, dentists are not good at sitting around, even if you paid them. So, what's interesting too is like if you ask someone to join your de novo and kind of help you build it, even if you say, hey, I'll, I'll pay you 200 grand no matter what, if the practice doesn't have a certain momentum to it, it's challenging that person. Their skills could, not a road, but I don't know if you kind of catch my yeah. drift here. It's like sure. the startup group practice has really got, a, I think has um, a challenges built into what people have to be aware of if mm -hmm. they want to do something. And I think need a lot, needing a lot of money is one of them. <laughs> oh, well, you need money, but you know, you need money for acquisitions too. I mean, I think it's less of a, a money issue in some respects, and we'll talk about that in, in a moment, but you know, your, your point is well taken. You know, if you're looking at, uh, having to put dentists and staff in this new office that didn't quote unquote come with it, then that, that can be right. a challenge. And, and as we record this episode in the spring of 2023, uh, doesn't look like the, uh, the job market job, you know, the, supply pool of right. potential employees is is all that spectacular, oh, right? Really difficult. So if you have trouble hiring people in one location, what makes you think that you're going to be able to do it easily at a second or a third? You know, I also it's think all that organic. Uh, we tend to focus on the negative or when things go wrong when in general in our lives. And but not a but when you acquire practice from an existing dentist, most of the time they got there for a reason. And yes, they might have ways of doing things that you don't understand, but they're kind of like a grandfather. Mm -hmm. They've run things before, they worked with a team, mm -hmm. they can deal with upset patients. So when you acquire a 57 year old in your group, as we've done before, it definitely comes with challenges, but some of the, you don't have to necessarily train them on kind of, this is how to deal with a patient, this is how to deal with it. So when you're doing a de novo and you're maybe building a team from scratch, it can be very cool. And you can definitely kind of talk the same and walk the same, mm -hmm. but the day to day, challenges of working with a lot of people new to the field could be difficult for some people growing something. Yeah, no, it, and that's a good point. And that's important to think about and yeah. factor into things. Here's what I would say, though, with both of these, whichever way you go, and if you choose to, to do a mix, which is also possible, the biggest thing is that they need to be financially sound. Right. You know, doing a, a bad acquisition or doing a startup in a location that's not getting off the ground Neither of those things are good for the growth prospect. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're looking at, at lenders and investors, you don't want to have this bad deal pulling everything else down. Because right. if people are looking, at, you know, again, lenders and investors are looking at the the, the global portfolio of practices, as the overall organization. You know, they'll look a little more granularly at the numbers for each of those locations. But the first look is the overall. Right. And if you have a bad one that's bringing everything else down, that will inhibit your growth 
more than anything. And, and because it's going to inhibit your growth because nobody's going to want to give you more money to buy or start up another one when you've got one that's floundering. And so it, it just really underscores the importance that if you're doing it de novo, that you do all the things, jump through all the right. hoops, right? You do it well. You know, the things that we talk about, as you said, with ideal practices, doing the right demographics, doing the right marketing, uh, the right design, the right lease, all of the things to help you really stack the deck so that you could thrive there. Uh, or if you're buying a practice, same thing, you know, don't buy a practice just for the sake of buying a right. practice. You buy a practice that has good revenue, but high, you know, out of control overhead, out of control staff salary. And also these, you know, some of the, the, the dentists here on this podcast who've done this before, these practices have themes to them. So being overly optimistic, saying, hey, I'm going to buy a $400,000 practice and triple the production, those stories are few and far between. $400,000 practice is that way for a reason. Can you make it into a $600,000 practice? Yes. But whether it's the operatories, whether it's the patient base, dentists sometimes are just way too optimistic about what they think they can do to their second, third, or oh, fourth sure. practice. Yeah. And you know, there's a McConaughey movie, Failure to Launch. Uh, back in the day, there's just many failures to launches with these things. Yeah. And then you have these practices attached to you. I got one myself, right? I mean, it's, it, if you said to me, hey, Paul, your second practice, how much money have you made running it for a decade? I don't know if we've made any. I think we have, right? right. And people think, oh, are you fools? You don't know your numbers? No, it's because you have this other business. Yes, it feeds the business, you know, it feeds some of the bigger business, but it, it's just, um, you have to really be ready for that type of life where you're thinking of more than one practice at a time. And you probably have seen, uh, we've said this before, the return policies, pretty terrible on these things. Yeah, about as bad as it gets. Yeah. And, that, and, the, and the tricky thing with all this too, you know, is kind of where you are in the continuum. You know, it's as, as the organization gets bigger and you're able to hire more people to task them to just do acquisitions or just to do the the design and the the demographics and the, the planning for a de novo, it gets easier. But if you're the dentist, you know, who's practicing dentistry right. and you have two and you're going to three, four locations, it's not like you've got, well, we've got our, you know, chief development officer right. and we've got our chief executive officer and this is the person in charge of acquisitions. Like, And also what you were saying, I was just at a, a meeting with this guy, he said a funny thing. He goes, you know, I own a lot of practices and I was supposed to work three days a week, but then my associate left one. So now I'm back to five days a week, right? So also, just as we talked about previous episode and, you know, I dentist job connected to something I created to help with this in a, in a meaningful way, who are going to be the dentist at all these practices, right? We just talked about retaining them through equity, but how about just getting them to work with you for a year, getting right. them to work with you for two years, getting them not to say, hey, guess what? My wife's moving across the country for a residency. Hey, guess what? We're going to start a family and I'm going to stop working. So there's just a lot of vulnerability to the dentist chefs because I've not seen a business. I know law has some of this in it too, mm -hmm. but you literally can't open it up unless the licensed dentist is there. Totally. I mean, I had a conversation <laughs> years ago with somebody who proposed that they were going to do a bunch of startups. I said, sounds great. Who are the dentists going to be? <laughs> We don't know. We're just going to get some dentists. <laughs> any dentists? Right. Yeah, any dentists. You know, like you, you do realize that there are some dentists that can really produce a lot of revenue, and there's some that that really can't. We'll get. We're going to get the ones that produce a lot. <laughs> that sounds great too. Right. How are you planning on getting those people to work I for mean, you? Because those people like to own their practices, I right? Also, you know, how, many, I, how many dentists out there <laughs> produce right. two million dollars a year of dentistry, and they're like, you know what? The associateship is my. My yes. path, and, and you know, like it's not you know, a you thing. Think of it, it's very good. I'm a sports fan. You're a sports fan. They pay people so much money 
to draft players in the NBA and NFL, and they get it wrong all the time. So you think just because you sit across from someone at a Starbucks, you're going to be able to determine what type of dentist they'll be in your organization. Yeah. You're not going to know that till they're playing the game with you. Right. And you might find out the hard way that they're not that good at playing the game. Right. Yeah, it's a great, a great analogy. And, you know, I think the overall takeaway, and we're not, you know, we're, we're like, you know, the Debbie Downers here, but uh, it just whatever you're doing, whether it's, you know, expansion through de novo or, or acquisition, you still have to be careful. You still have to do the same kind of planning, the same kind of, uh, of business planning, uh, cash flow projecting, and demographics, depending on which way you go. And, and, and it's important every time. And you know, adding or growing for the sake of adding or growing, from my perspective, my observation, never works out. Yeah. You know, and and there's sort of this misconception, I think, in the in this in this space that, well, if, as long as I just keep getting bigger, it's going to be more valuable. Right. Not necessarily. And I think, you know, I, I, you said something, um, and I have to wrap up in a few minutes, but like, it's not a Debbie, I, I have an elevated thought on this. It's not a Debbie Downer. It's explaining the risks so that the people who want to do it are the right people. Right. Right. Like if I explain the risks of being an entrepreneur and I say, you got to do X, Y, Z here, you eliminate the people who don't want to do it. And then the people say, I can do that. Right. I can get the associates. I can dedicate the time. So I think it's a, it, I understand what you're saying when you say sometimes it sounds like Debbie Downer, but to me, it's more about truly explaining the risks. So the right people want to do it. Mm -hmm. And then the other people say, thanks for telling me. I didn't want to spend my weekends trying to go to a dental <laughs> schools to meet associates. Thanks right. for telling me. Right. I didn't want to miss my kid's game right. because my associate at practice number four couldn't come in. And then the other ones who want to do it, they love doing it. Right. Right. Well, I mean, the right people want to do it, but then also the people who want to do it know the right way to do it. Right. Exactly. Right? You know, and again, I, I can't say it enough that just growing for the sake of growing is not, that's not the way this goes. You know, and you have to be tactical and strategic about how you do that. And it's part of what we talked about in an earlier episode, too, as you mentioned, you know, are we, is the model to bring in people with equity interests in each of these locations, you know, because maybe that can help attract uh, associate dentists. Maybe yeah. that will help keep people. Maybe that'll help motivate And I think you also, you have to like to do it. I mean, if you run a solo practice doing 1.5 million and you make $600,000, then you go a group that does $4 million, but you only make 400, but you don't have to work as much and you like working with the dentist. That's a cool life too, as long as you understand it. Sure. Yeah. As long as you understand what you're getting into. Well, that's it. And that's, that's, we, you know, I love to say, you know, like, and that, that's part of the sort of the overall, the cash flow and the, and the forecasting and the projections for what this looks like. And you need to know that going into it and don't find out, don't just pick what's behind door number right. three, yeah. you know, because you may be surprised pleasantly, but not usually. Yeah. You know, usually it's, it's, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the goat behind door <laughs> yeah. number three, not the brand new car. Right? Say it's a decade of annoyance running a dental practice. You're not sure if you want it at all. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks, Paul, for uh, for the chat. As always, it's a pleasure. And folks, if you like today's episode, please go on your podcast platform there and give us lots of stars. And until the next time. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.